All right, good morning, everyone. Always a pleasure to bring the word of God to God's people. Um, let's start in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for just uh, all that you have given us, Lord, your word. And uh, we look forward to the next couple of weeks in the book of James, Lord, that you will bless this time, convict us, Holy Spirit, help us to understand and help us to apply what we learn. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm getting an opportunity to do my favorite book in the Bible, the book of James. Uh, I just named my son Santiago, which is the Spanish translation for James. Um, so I'm just curious here. What is your favorite book in the Bible? It just name it out. What's your favorite book in the Bible? Gospel of John, okay. Mark, okay, okay. Anyone else? Favorite book in the Bible? Okay, James is up there. Nice. Well, maybe I haven't introduced myself. My name is Kevin Lopez. Um, I've been saved for 12 years now, married to Veronica over here. Uh, we have three children, Sophia, Sebastian, and Santiago. So we kept it with the S's, right? Um, and what we're going to do today is go through the book of James, if, as long as everything is connected here. Um, yep. So... Yeah, 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 fine, okay. All right, so what I have is the summary statement. And if you notice, there's five W's, which will come up right now. Being wise and obeying the word in a world of war for wealth. Now, why is this important? Well, first off, this book, uh, a lot of people say it's similar to wisdom literature, right? So we're going to see how James is going to exhort his audience to be wise, you know, doing the right thing, living for God's glory. The second W is obeying the word. And so obeying the word is key because many times we hear the word of God, but we don't actually do the word of God. And so James is going to repeat this, obey God's word. Then we get into the third W, world. What does that mean? So obviously we're in planet Earth. We live in this world. But what I'm trying to get at is there's this simple world, this corrupt system uh, where obviously Satan is trying to attack believers. And so we live in this world of war. When you think of war, think of chaos, no peace. Uh, everyone just isn't in order. They just want to attack. They want to even kill each other. We live in this world of war, and what for? What are, what are they so anxious about? Wealth. Now, I'm not talking about money and possessions. I'm talking about a desire for more, lust. Just, I want what I want. So we live in this world of war for wealth, Yet we're called to be wise and obey the wor uh, word. All right, next. Why do we study the book of James? Why did I pick this book? Obviously, it's my favorite book. But why? So three reasons. First is the assurance of salvation. If you go throughout the book of James, you're going to see how he doesn't want his audience to be deceived. Right? He wants to make sure they're saved. I mean, that's really important. And so... As we read the book of James, we're going to see, are we really saved? And I think this is really key for all of us because we don't want anyone here to be deceived about their salvation. The second thing is a boost of faith. I mean, we could all use a boost of faith. I know some of you in the morning, you need a boost of coffee to wake you up. Well, as believers, we need to be encouraged, have this boost of faith. And so throughout uh, the book of James, he is going to encourage them, especially during tough times. And lastly, correction 
of foolishness. There's so many times throughout this book where James is like, you shouldn't think like that. That's not the right way. You, and he rebukes them and he corrects them. And many times they, they're saying some foolish things like, I'm being tempted by God. And he says, no, 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 that's, that's not true. And so a lot of times, uh, beloved, we need to be corrected of any foolish thinking. And so James is going to do that in this book. All right. I want us to go through the overview of the book of James. So we're going to look at five chapters before we get into our lesson for today. And basically, I just summed up the chapters. And obviously, today, we're going to look at the introduction of the letter, which is the author, audience, and greeting. And then we're going to get into a common theme. If you notice, uh, you see a lot of wisdom here, right? Thinking wisely in trials. That's going to be next week. I'm, I'm excited for that. Then we got verses 5 to 8, asking God for wisdom. The wise will be exalted, the promise of the wise, a foolish thought, the giver of wisdom, wisdom or wrath. And so throughout this first chapter, we're going to see a lot of wisdom. And so I summed it up. Wisdom leads to obedience, right? So if you're thinking of chapter 1, just remember, wisdom leads to obedience. What about chapter 2? We see here... God's command to adhere, God's course of action, and God's commendation, God's conviction, God's con condemnation. So what is this about? Well, he's going to get into a lot of social injustice, right? There was a lot of rich people that were taking advantage of poor people. And so he's going to say, well, there's a command to adhere, which is do not be partial, right? No favoritism. And then also, how does God deal with the poor people? And, and it's, it's deeper than just if you have money or you don't have money. He's talking about being poor in spirit. And we'll get into that. I keep doing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> With this uh, little thing here. All right. And so throughout chapter 2, we're going to see how we ought to obey in this matter of social injustice. How we ought to love others. Have this true saving faith. And so in that chapter, there's going to be this... Um, Faith without works is dead, all right? And so we'll get into that. And then we continue into chapter 3. This has to do with our communication, our speech, and how God cares about how we treat others and how we talk to others. So, um, you know, if you have trouble with gossip, this is going to be a key uh, chapter for us. It's going to be... Um, a good way to observe if we have a faith that is characterized by wisdom. All right, it's back, beautiful. And so I summed up the chapter as faith is demonstrated in wisdom. All right, we're going to see how if you have true saving faith, you're going to be someone who is wise. Then we get into chapter 4, and uh, this one is my favorite chapter. Why? Because it's the heart of the letter. Not only is it very convicting, but it also will expose any hidden sins we might be blinded to. We sometimes don't realize how prideful we can be. And so James is pretty much here. He's going to give him the hook, right? He's going to say, listen, uh, there's pleasures of the proud, which, you know, you, you want what you really want. And when you don't get it, you even kill. And so that's going to be an interesting topic we're going to go over. There's going to be problems of the proud, positions of the proud, the pleads of the proud. And, and in that plead, uh, there's about 10 uh, imperatives or 10 commands that he's telling them. He's saying, repent, you know, uh, wash your hands, you sinners. And so this is really the heart of the letter. 
um, when he's pleading with those that are being prideful. Uh, and so we'll get into that. And then judging wisely with the tongue, speaking wisely about wealth. And so I summed up chapter four as wisdom doesn't love wealth. Remember, when I say wealth, I'm talking about the desire for more when you're not content and you want this power, this control over your life. And so wisdom is not about that. And so we get into uh, chapter 5. And so what do we see in chapter 5 here? We see thinking wisely about wealth, pending in patience, pictures of patience, prescriptions of patience. And so you see a lot of focus on the word patience, right? What happens during these trials? It's so easy to not be patient. It's so easy to just want to do our own thing. And so I summed it up, wealth must not destroy our faith. And so we're going to see how we ought to think about wealth. And at the end of the chapter, we're going to see the importance of prayer. All right. So that is a brief overview of the book of James. And now I want to talk about the main idea of the letter. And so the main idea, why don't you turn to James chapter one and we're going to read verses 25 to 27. If you got it, say amen. All right, here we go. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so why is this the main idea of the letter? The main thesis. We notice here four key things about a faith that endures, an enduring faith. And what is that? Well, one, uh, James's main point throughout this book is going to be you need to abide by the word of God. In other words, the law of liberty, the gospel, which we know is to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so the first C, if you notice here, I have here, is abide by the word of God. I put that as clinging to the word, all right? So we need to cling to the word. Uh, word. Number two, we see here uh, controlling the tongue, where it says bridle the tongue. It's another way of saying self-control. Uh, James is going to say, well, if you don't control your tongue, then you are not a mature person. You're not, you're not a wise person. And so James is going to say, not only do you have to cling to the word, which means do the word, uh, but you also need to control the tongue. So that's the second C. The third C, a little blurred out there, but to visit orphans and widows. This is key. James wants us to care for the needy. If you have a true faith, you're going to love uh, your neighbor. You're going to love those in need. You're going to reach out to those in your church and say, let me help you out, brother or sister. And so the, for, uh, the fourth C now is, unstained by the world which i put clean from the world and so if you are a true believer you do not mix with the world because you know the world is filled with sin and so you want to be a person of faith who is uh, sanctified who is living in holiness and so if you remember these four c's you'll remember the main idea of the letter which is clinging to the word controlling the tongue caring for those in need and to be clean from the world now, what about the main verse? If I could just sum up the book of James in one main verse. Look, at with, uh, look with me to James 1, 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. This is like the main motivation for everyone reading the book of James. Look what it says. 
Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so, if you're going through trials, James is saying, you're blessed. Why? Because when you persevere under those trials, you show that you are a true Christian. You show that you love the Lord. And he is going to give you the reward of crown of life. In other words, eternal life. You are a true believer. And so uh, you can be encouraged that during these trials, um, it's not in vain. And so that main verse, if you remember, and there is a quiz at the end, by the way. So keep in mind uh, the main verse here. All right. What about the main purpose? Now, why is James writing? I kind of hinted it uh, earlier. It's to exhort and encourage his audience during trials. And we'll see the historical context in a little bit. But he wants to encourage them. He loves them. We'll see in a bit that it is his pastoral concern for these people to continue in the faith even during tough trials. And so he is going to encourage them, exhort them to endure in the faith. And what about the tone of the letter? If you read the book of James, just, you know, that'll be your homework for the week. Just read the whole book of James in, in one sitting. It's going to feel very pastoral. You're going to see that James loves these people. He says, my brethren, you know, I, I have this concern for you. I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to be in the truth. I want to make sure you're saved. And so he has this pastoral concern. He also has this military-like um, do this, do that. There's 54 imperatives in 108 uh, verses. That's a one to two ratio. So he's telling them what to do. I don't know if you have uh, maybe uh, maybe your parent you can think of or someone who's like always telling you what to do. Hey, do this, do this, wake up, do this. This is the type of person James is. He's going to tell you what to do. He's a leader. And then we have his thought-provoking and artistic language right he's going to use a lot of alliteration wordplay uh, we'll see a little bit of that next week but he's also going to bring up some illustrations right some pictures and so he's very artistic so if you like art um, this is going to be a good uh, book for you all right all right well let's shift gears here let's get into the introduction of the letter and now we're going to see four main points here uh, but let's read our verse and we'll get into it so James chapter 1, verse 1. This is the only verse we're going to get into today. James chapter 1, verse 1. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. All right, so the introduction of the letter, pretty simple. We're just going to break it down to four key points. The author, so we're going to discuss who is this James? The audience, who is he talking to? The greeting, right? Just a very simple word, but we'll get into it. And then some applications for us today. All right, so here we have the author of James. Which James is it? So we got a couple options, right? There's a couple James in the Bible. Um, we know that uh, there are uh, James the Just, which is the brother of Jesus. There is uh, James the Less. Uh, which is one of the 12 disciples. And then we have uh, James the Greater, they would say, uh, one of the three, right? So there's a couple of James. We have to figure out who is it, all right? The second thing we're going to see about James is his leadership. Uh, he has a lot of important roles in the early church and what he does. And we're going to see some of that in the book of Acts. 
Then we're going to see just how he's a disciple of Jesus. He just loves the Lord. And, and you're going to see that many times that he writes and, and says these things, he's often referring to the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll see that. And then we're going to see some church history notes, just some quotes from some of those guys. All right, so I would argue, and many would argue, this is James the Just. Who wrote the book of James? Well, it has to be someone well-known, right? He goes on a first-name basis. If you read the verse again, it says James. You know, it doesn't say James, an apostle. Um, it just says James. So this person is well-known. Maybe you know a person by first-name basis. I don't know, Messi. LeBron, you don't even have to say LeBron James. You could just say LeBron. You know, we know who you're talking about. And so this person is well-known in the church. Now, why do I argue it's him? Well, the other James, the one of the three uh, of the 12, the inner three, uh, he died around 42 AD. And, and uh, as Victor and I were talking earlier, this book was written sometime 45 to 49 AD. So we can say it's not that James. What about the other James? We don't know much about him in church history. Um, and he probably would have identified himself as an apostle. Um, and so we see that James the Just, the brother of Jesus, he also uh, writes in the book of Acts. And there's a lot of similarity with what he wrote here in this letter and with the book of Acts. So we can uh, conclude that, yes, it was James the Just or the brother of Jesus. Now, we also know that he's writing from Jerusalem. How do we know that? Well, he uses a lot of physical allusions to uh, Palestine, right? He talks about the um, early and later rains, the hot winds, um, salt and bitter water, uh, the cultivation of figs and olives, and then, of course, talking about the sea, which is nearby in Palestine. And, and like I said, it's dated around 45 to 49 A.D. James, another thing you notice here, uh, it says James, a bond servant, right? What does that mean? Slave, doulos in the Greek. And so he understands his place. He understands, I am a slave of Jesus. He is my master. And so he could have identified himself as, hey, I'm the brother of Jesus. But he doesn't. He says, I am a slave, a servant of Christ. Another thing we want to make note about James the Just here is, this is a very... Jewish background type letter. Why do I say that? Well, in verse 1, we're going to see uh, to the 12 tribes, right? That's going to be one key for us. He also calls himself, um, or he calls Abraham our father. And then uh, he gives some illustrations from the Old Testament. He refers to Abraham, Rahab, Job, Elijah. And then he also uses this title that um, the New Testament, this is the only New Testament writer that uses this title, the Lord of Sabbath. All right, so this letter is very jewish in origin okay and lastly what i want to mention about this james uh, uh many refer to him as the amos of the new testament um, because he talks about social uh, injustice we see that james is just a very godly person he is a man who cares for god's people all right and like i said many refer to him as uh, amos of the new testament now i want us to look at his timeline so um just the kind of see where he started and where he finished. So James, we know that he wasn't a believer at first, right? You think, well, he's the brother of Jesus. I mean, he grew up believing in Jesus, right? No, he did not believe in Jesus. He was a skeptic. And so if you read Matthew uh, 13, 55, you're going to see that his family did not believe, right? Obviously, Mary did, but his brothers didn't. And so what happens? Well, the resurrection happens. Jesus uh, resurrects from the dead, 
and appears to James if you read 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Um, and so he comes to saving faith. And so he wasn't saved, then he gets saved. And what does he do after he is saved? Well, he becomes the leader of the mother church in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem. And Paul calls him one of the pillars of the church. And so we see that if you read in the book of Acts, uh, I got a couple of verses there. Um, he is uh, making a speech at the Jerusalem council, admitting Gentiles into the church. And he acts as the president of this conference about circumcision. So like I said, you can read more about that in the book of Acts. But we see James as a leader in the early church. All right. So I really like this slide because it shows just how much James uh, was in the teachings of Jesus. All right. So if you notice, there's a lot of verses on the left side. And to the right is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's almost like James is quoting a lot of scripture from the Sermon on the Mount. But what, what do I uh, conclude from this? James is saturated with the teaching of Jesus. He loves Jesus and his teaching, and it's like on his lips constantly. The word of God is in him. So it's like he's been meditating on this for years. And, and so when you read, uh, we'll get into it in verse 2 in a little bit, uh, it says rejoice, right? Uh, count, consider it all joy. And then you see in Matthew, it, talking about persecution, rejoice and be glad for when you get persecuted. And so there's just a lot of similarities uh, with the Sermon on the Mount. All right, what about church history? Now, church history, we see uh, a couple of characteristics of James. W what did they say about James? Well, he was a godly brother. He was uh, a man of prayer. For example, he's called James the Just for a reason. And so uh, one quote uh, from this 4th century historian Eusebius, he says this of James. He was in the habit of going to the temple and praying and, and confessing sins and going on his knees. His nickname, Camel Knees, right? He would just, his, his knees were so rough because he was praying and worshiping God so much. You know, Josephus, he said, uh, that this man was a man of premium justice, right? He is just a just man, always doing the right thing, always making sure people are, are living correctly and, and making sure that they weren't going through some injustice. Now, there is some controversy um, in the early church. Why? Uh, the first church father to quote uh, the book of James as scripture was Origen. And so there's some debate about it being in the canon in the early church. Why? Mainly because of the whole faith versus works debate. Um, we know that in chapter 2, this is going to be a big discussion. You know, James, you, you seem like you're disagreeing with Paul. You know, I, I thought we were saved by faith alone. Now you're saying faith without works is dead. What's going on? And so we'll get into that. Um, but like I said, there was some discussion in the early church. A lot of people didn't want to accept it as scripture at first. But we know it is. So... Some other quotes I want to mention um, about uh, James and what the early church has said. So if you know the, the one of the three, John, the beloved, right, the one Jesus loved, um, it has said that he had lain at the bosom of Jesus, right, in the upper room. A lot of people would argue, well, well, James adjusts. It's like he's at the feet of Jesus, all right? So he's very close to Jesus. He has this intimate relationship with him. Uh, another way of saying it is he doesn't just listen to the words of Christ. He takes it in and applies every word of Christ. 
Another quote. Um, if Paul developed, uh, developed the significance of the death of Jesus, so Paul was huge on theology if you read the book of Romans, we can say that James, he developed the teaching of Jesus, right? The more being practical. And, and I think this is what uh, Pastor Nathan mentioned, that this is going to be a time of just learning how we ought to be uh, living the Christian life rather than just learning so much theology. Again, uh, we see that James adjusts how he ends, right? His death. So ironically, James the Just dies an unjust death. Um, what happens? So uh, Josephus reports, there's different accounts of how he dies, but um, one says that uh, there was a high priest at the time, and he died an unjust death, right? They, they accused him of doing some injustice, but he really didn't, and so they stoned him, right? He dies a martyr's death. Um, so that's how James dies. All right, so next point. So we're getting into the audience of James, right? And I got a map here. Um, I think it'll do us good. So we see here uh, the Palestine area, okay? So that's like in the middle right there, Middle East, right? And then if you zoom in into it, we have Jerusalem right here. Got the Dead Sea, Galilee, Egypt, okay? And so this is going to come into play in a little bit. Uh, but we're going to look at the Jewish Christians and the historical context so that is uh, who we're going to talk about, the Jewish Christians. Why? Well, if you continue reading in James 1, it says, A bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes. All right, so what does that mean? And so a lot of people uh, argue that this is talking about uh, the Jewish Christians that are in uh, the diaspora, right? They've been scattered abroad. So it's not necessarily like, you know, Asher and... Uh, Simeon and all these people, but it's talking mainly about those that have scattered, right? So Jewish Christians, so yes, uh, ethnic Jews, but believers, those that um, worship the Messiah, all right? And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, where they're coming from, all right? And so they are coming from a persecuted background. Uh, why don't you turn with me to the book of Acts? Look at Acts eleven nineteen. A lot of people will argue that during this time, there was persecution, and if you look at Acts eleven 19, you'll see some of this. During the time of Stephen, all right, it says, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone, right? So it was a hostile environment at the time. And, and so even though at this time many people knew there was a, a West dispersion and a, an East dispersion, and so uh, my, um, what, I, what I believe is the audience was the people in the north of Syria, right? The, basically, Palestine's here in the middle, and then up here is Syria. That's probably where uh, James is writing to. But it's for any believer, of course, not just uh, Jewish Christians. All right, and what is his aim? I think it's important for us to understand the historical context because we need to understand why James is writing this letter, especially during this time of persecution. He wants to give his audience spiritual exhortations and encouragement. Now, so just think about it. As they're going through persecution and many trials, it can be easy to just give up on the faith. Right. You're suffering so much social injustice. Uh, for example, let's say 
your employer was rich and he was taking advantage of you, stealing some money from you, not giving you the right uh, pay that you deserved. And so what happens? It's so easy to start complaining, having this uh, improper attitude. Um, and, and we start to maybe just rather than pray, we start to just complain all day about our sufferings and our problems. And so the complaints of the sufferers reveal that they were not bearing the trials with patience and humility that should characterize all Christians, which often led to strife, disputes, and they were prone to have this um, independent attitude like, man, you know what? I just got to do it myself. I just got to work my way up to the top. And, and they did not submit, um, but rather uh, they try to handle their problems on their own. And so it's evident that uh, many of these people during this time, they have to be tested to see if their faith is genuine. Are they going to continue following Christ even when things are going tough, or are they just going to give up? All right, so let's get into the greeting here. Uh, so we see there in James 1, uh, verse 1, a bondservant of Christ and of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. And we get to this word, greetings. All right. So this is going to be our Greek word of the week. We'll do this every week. And yes, we'll be on the quiz. Um, greetings. Kario. All right. So now kario is uh, not the actual word. It's like karyin. But kario is the stem word, right? So uh, what does that mean? To rejoice, be glad, to be delighted in. Um, and so why is this important? Uh, James starts, starts this letter, uh, with, with something about joy. And, and this is interesting because you think, well, this letter has a lot to do with suffering and, and having to endure in the faith and, and James is starting with joy. Well, yeah, it's a perfect transition to verse two, consider it all joy. And so he starts with this greeting. And he just says, greeting. One thing about James, he's just very quick to the point, right? He's just, all right, greetings, let's go. Let's get into it. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And so one thing I want to mention here, you notice here, Matthew 5.12. Cario uh, also comes up in Matthew 5.12, where it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so we see that similar language. Uh, the same word is used by Jesus, and it seems like James, like I said, just saturated with that teaching, and he's saying cario, but obviously in the greeting form. So why don't we uh, conclude our lesson with some applications? And I, and I know, beloved, this is not an easy concept to think about when uh, you're telling me I got to have joy in the midst of suffering. We'll get more into that next week, um, but let's get into some applications I think will be really good for us. All right, so we got four applications. Let's look at them here. Number one, reevaluate. So as you're reading the first verse of James, it says James, a bondservant of Christ and of the Lord Jesus, right? A bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus. You want to ask yourself, are you a humble bondservant of God or do you want your name to be known, right? James the just, he wasn't, known as James the Just at the time. He was just known as James. Um, and then eventually uh, church history, you know, would say that's, you know, the brother of Jesus, they refer to him as brother of Jesus. But he doesn't refer himself to that. He refers himself as a bond servant, a slave of Christ. And so ask yourself, are you a person 
that wants to be characterized as a humble bondservant, or do you want your name to be known? Right? James, uh, one of the best examples we have in the Bible, he is known as camel knee, right? A man of prayer. And so we want to reevaluate our lives. Are we a person of prayer, a person of peace, humility? Number two, uh, reason. I think it's going to be very important for us to reason throughout our study in the book of James. We know that God has a purpose for this letter. You know, in a big mess, God has a message. We need to have ready hearts to hear from him, especially when we're thinking foolishly or acting sinfully. We need a fresh rebuke from a godly brother. It's like a fresh glass of water. You, you need it uh, when you're just uh, in this desert of sin. And so we're going to have to reason. This is not going to be easy. We have to think properly. And so we're going to be challenged to reason properly. Number three, rejoice. Uh, like I said, with the greeting, um, as a reminder, there is every reason for us to rejoice as a believer, even in difficult times. And so James, he starts this with a greeting. He says, uh, greetings, and then he gets into consider it all joy. So rejoice that you're saved. Rejoice that you have this letter that God has blessed us with and that we can learn from it for weeks to come. All right, so rejoice, beloved. And number four, ready. Be ready. This letter will call us to action many times, right? There's 54 imperatives, so there's no time to be on the couch. Uh, so we're going to have to get up and do everything it calls us to do. Our faith will be tested, right? You know, right now it might not feel like that in America, but um, trust me, uh, there is going to be persecution for those who uh, seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, as Timothy tells us, uh, Paul tells Timothy. And so are you ready? Are you ready for this test of faith? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We do pray that as we uh, review, um, that you would just bless our time and the review time. Help us to learn. Help us to apply what we learn. Uh, Lord, be glorified. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.